I had friends and family ask me all the marketing questions. And I thought, I've been doing this for Betty's for the last four years. Let me help you. And I have some answers. And then we accidentally kind of fell into starting eStudio. So you want to make an impact. You're thinking about starting a business, sharing your voice. How do women do it that handle motherhood, family, and still chase after those dreams? We'll listen each week as we dive into the stories of women who know. This is Call Me CEO. Hey everyone, thank you for coming to the channel today. My name is Camille Walker and on my YouTube channel, you will find stories of mothers building businesses, their reasons why, and what they've been able to build because of it. And today is no exception. We have Abby Combs who built a marketing company out of her home and is now employing in eight plus people through her marketing strategies and growing a business that actually grew from a place of a, a really hard loss of losing her son. It's such a beautiful story. Make sure that you are subscribing and I would love to hear from you. Please reach out to me at callmeceopodcast at gmail.com if you know of someone who you would love to hear their story and we can have them on the show as well. Welcome back everyone to Call Me CEO. This is a place where we celebrate women, especially mothers doing incredible, amazing, fantastical things and also sharing with us how they do the things because let's face it, there's a lot to be done as a mother and a woman in today, in this day and age. And what I love about our guest today is that she helps you lift the burden of marketing. And I don't know if any of you listening are like me, but marketing for me is probably one of the things of my business I at times will dislike the most. <laughs> like I feel like it's one of those things where you can doubt yourself a lot. You're not quite sure if your approach is the right thing to do. So today, Abby Combs is actually the CEO and founder of eStudios, which is a marketing company that she built. It's now four years old. And in this part one of this episode, we're going to be talking about how she built this marketing agency, the how and the why and being a mother and all the things. Part two of this, we are going to be talking about how you can launch a successful email program for Q1 in year two, 2024, which, oh my gosh, I can't believe it is right around the corner. So Abby, thank you so much for being on the show today. Yes. Oh my gosh. Thank you so much for having me. I am so excited. Yeah. We've been wanting to do this for a while. Abby and I met at a networking event. I don't know. Was it last year or the year before? It's all such a blur, but immediately I was yeah. like, this woman is amazing. And what your story of how you built your business was so inspiring. This has been a long time in the works of having you on the show. Yes, I know. I'm like, we've known each other for a long, long time. I can't remember the like day one, but it's been a long time coming. I'm excited to have it yeah. happen. Yeah, me too. So introduce yourself to our audience a little bit about you, your family, where you live, and then we'll get into what inspired you to build your company. Yeah, sure. So yeah, I live in Lehigh, Utah and uh, I'm married and Garen is my husband. We went out when we were 15. So we've been together a long, long time. Uh, and then we have three living children and one angel baby, which I, I mentioned because sure he's a part of our family, but it's 
it's also such a part of our story that we'll get to. But um, so I have currently I have a daughter who's 14 and a son who's 13 and then a little boy who's uh, will be six this month. So we have teenagers and toddlers and all the in between. <laughs> yeah, it's crazy once you get past my youngest is now seven and now I don't have kids at home anymore. And it is so weird. I feel like I'm cheating. <laughs> like when yes. I look around and I think I can have time to just like meet a friend for lunch if I want to. Um, yeah. And it, it is it having teenagers is a whole it's one of those things where you have heard that it's hard, but you don't really know what that means. And for me, I love having teenagers, but it's a different kind of hard that I never even knew what to expect. So I don't know if that's been yes. the same for you, but man, these kids have to be so strong and led through love because it there's a lot going on for our teenagers these days. Yes. No, I completely agree. I do feel like I feel the cheating aspect, right? Where I'll have my big kids watch my little guy on the weekends or on date nights. And it feels weird. Like I should have tried harder to arrange a babysitter, but this is so great that I don't have to. And, um, I also feel like we, our big kids uh, started full day school before we had our little guy. So I, I knew what that felt like for a minute. And then I went back to having a baby and toddlers. And so I'm like, okay, now I'm back here again, where I have all day long, but it feels like such a blink of an eye, like no time to get anything done. (laughs) So I get that for sure. Yeah. Uh, And then I think when it comes to teenagers, I would hear a lot of my friends who are older who have teenagers or, or who have had teenagers say like, oh, buckle up, like it gets really hard. Buckle up. Our teenagers are so fun with the eye roll, right? And I remember thinking like, I liked being a teenager. It was really fun to be a teenager. And I liked some of my friends' moms and parents. So I want to be, I want to be that. And I committed a few years ago, maybe only two years ago, maybe not even that long. As we were entering preteen and teenage years, I committed. I said, I am going to, teenage years are going to be fun. Teenagers are going to be fun. And I'm just going to have that mentality and that mindset of that it's going to be fun. And I know that subconsciously it's going to be a different kind of hard, but it was really hard to have newborns. It was really Mm -hmm. hard to have toddlers. My first two are 11 months apart, which wasn't planned. And while it is such a blessing and they are amazing, um, getting an error. There we go. Um, while that is so amazing, it was really, really, really hard to have two babies. I mean, at my one-year-old's birthday party, my first, my daughter's one-year-old birthday party, I had a three-week-old baby. Oh my And gosh. so it's just like a different level where you're like, you're supposed to be celebrating this one human you have. And yet I have another human that I'm getting to know. Um, so that was hard. And then, um, having two kids in school all day and the homework and the, they're in the same grade because of their birthday. And so we have usually two different classes and having all that was hard. And so I want to walk into this. I'm just barely at the start of teenage years. I want to walk in with like, it's going to be hard, but a different hard and being a mother is hard, but I, I really want to have fun. I really want to enjoy it. And I hope that I'm parenting in a way that I would have wanted, but yet with my life experience and the experience of others around me too. So I feel like I'm excited. I, I feel like when they hit like 11, 12 years old, um, and I say they, cause the, the, the two big kids are so close in age, it feels like twins, but when they hit, you know, 11, 12 years old, um, I had this like epiphany that was, oh, 
you no longer need me to teach you how to be a human. You are a human I'm doing life with. And I still have a stewardship over them and I still have to teach them. I get that. But there was a, a major shift of we get to be two humans doing life together. And that is so cool and so beautiful. And I get to know them as humans and people and interests in their, who their, what their soul is instead of having a little child that I'm like, Oh, you didn't know how to tie your shoes or you didn't know that by saying that it hurts someone's feelings, you know, all the little Mm -hmm. things. So it's been a really an amazing journey so far, but again, my daughter's 14. So we've only been a year into it. Yeah, it's, I agree with that. I think that mind frame and the way that we process the, the different phases of life that we're in. It's interesting. I shared on social media the other day, and it was a quote that said something like the moment that you're in, nothing lasts forever. And it was, mm-hmm. and it was kind of, I had someone respond back to me in the DM saying, thank goodness. Thank you for this reminder. Cause she was going through a really hard time. And mm-hmm. I think it also applies to when times are beautiful and can feel maybe even easy knock on wood, you know, (laughs) those moments where you're like, but nothing lasts forever. There are moments in time where our kids go through different phases and struggles. And as a parent, sometimes it can feel like, oh my gosh, when are we going to get past this? And then you look back and you, I was talking to my 10 year old about this when he was four and five, he was really difficult at that age. Mm -hmm. And I said, do you remember going through that phase of life? And he had very um, explosive anger. He would kick and scream and punch. He was just, it was a really difficult time. And I asked him if he remembered that. And he said, I do, I do remember that. And we, he said, and therapy helped me so much. That was when he was tiny, like a tiny, tiny human. Yeah. Yeah. And it was just a short stint that we got through and um, learned how to express emotion and talk of, learn about how to express and share feelings we were feeling that are really big. And I think that it's at that time, had you asked me how is parenting going, I would be like, oh my gosh, I am like drowning, you know, like it felt so insurmountable. And now as a 10 year old, I'm like, dude, you are so easy. Like he just is so, he listens to what I say. He does (laughs) things when I ask him to like, it's just, so with any parent listening, I'm sure you've gone through different phases like this. And just to remember nothing lasts forever. And it's even embracing those, those teen years, they are fleeting. They hit junior high. They're off to the races. I feel like it just flies by so quickly. My oldest is, will be driving soon. And in two more years, be out of the house. Like it's just, it, it's mind numbing to think about anyway, this went way off. I, we don't get this off the rails, but but (laughs) that's okay. This is motherhood. That's important. So speaking of motherhood and all of its gifts and its hardships, you had a really hard time that you went through that was actually the birth of your business. Can you tell us a little bit more about that? Yeah, for sure. And it's always a hard, not hard to talk about. I actually love talking about this because I wouldn't, um, it's a blessing of my business and, and I'll explain more in a minute, but I get to talk about this part of my life that there is a lot of beauty because my business and, but what's hard is to know where to start mm. <laughs> and, um, kind of, and, and how much to say and, and all the details, because I don't talk about it as often as I would maybe my other kids. 
And so you want to say all the things. So I'll, I'll try and have it make sense. Um, but so eight years ago, we uh, had a baby named Easton and he lived and then passed away two hours later. And we knew that he would die going into his birth but we didn't know when we first got pregnant. So like I said, my first two are super close together. And then we thought, oh, we've had one of each. We've replenished the earth. We've done our duty. We're done. And then um, I have my sister had a baby and I felt like I kind of imprinted in a, in a sense on the baby because I was like, we're supposed to have another baby. Like I could do this again. And my husband was like, no, we are done. And I'm like, no, 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 we're not done. And then I got pregnant and this was the pregnancy with Easton. And at 20 weeks, we went to go find out if it, if it was a boy or a girl. And I remember feeling uneasy during the appointment that there was something wrong. Um, but I said, what is that? I felt like a really big black uh, space on the ultrasound. And I was like, what is that? And she was like, that's just his stomach. And I was like, oh, okay, like, what do I know? Right. Anyway, my husband traveled for work for our whole married life until the last four years. But at that time he was traveling and he had to leave for a, um, a flight. And so we found out it was a boy and um, I was actually really upset about that. I wanted another girl. And so I was crying already that it was a boy. And then my husband left and the doctor wanted to keep us or keep me to talk to him for a minute. And I walked in and he said, so we have a problem with the baby. And instantly I was the emotion. I had the feelings of like, why am I mad that it's a boy? Now I actually don't care what sex it is. I just want it to be healthy. And I want to like protect my baby. And he said, your baby has a diaphragmatic hernia, which is a hole in his diaphragm. And this is where the story gets kind of long. So basically he had a hole of his, a hole in his diaphragm. And the doctor said like, I know enough to know that I'm not the best person to treat you and you need to go see a specialist. And so he says he sees this about twice a year in all his patients, two times a year, he sees this come up. Um, and then there are very few documented cases, but um, it, it's not common, but common enough, they know that they need a specialist. So we met with a specialist, we had to do a bunch of genetic testing, um, an amniocentesis, um, just all the things to see what was going on. And the specialist was saying that most of the time, well, there's a big chunk of time that this is a fluke and a big chunk that this is something else is causing this. And so from further testing, we found out that he has a, had a rare um, abner a genetic abnormality called Pallister-Killian syndrome. And there's at the time like 3,000 or less documented cases in the world about this rare genetic issue. And we learned a lot about the human anatomy, more than I knew, and um from about week 22-ish to 31, um, we were we spent every week with specialists on specialists on specialists with hour-long ultrasounds, trying to figure out the extent of his um, ailments, I guess. Pallister-Killian syndrome is um, basically a, an issue that affects a, a, a human body that makes them extremely handicapped. So Easton would have been extremely um he would have never walked or talked or crawled on his own. Most likely he would have probably been confined to a wheelchair. Um, they have extreme seizures and low muscle tone. So um, that's why they can't walk. They don't have enough strength. And so that coupled with the um, diaphragmatic hernia made this case really not fit for life. The problem is that there's kids or babies that have Pallister-Killian syndrome that survive and live a life a full life, but a very a handicapped life. And then there are babies that have 
um, diaphragmatic hernias that live and get surgery and then have to have multiple surgeries through their whole life, but they live. And so the combination is um, so unpredictable that we didn't know if we should induce labor because we knew he would die. We didn't know if he would live. And so we had to spend all this time really figuring out the extent of um, and really how bad it was. Right. And that brought on its own challenges, but we finally met with a specialist that said that Eason needed a, a huge long list of life-saving procedures and that, that those procedures were saved for babies who would most likely make it. And these are babies who are fighters, who um, can survive a surgery. He would have had to have open heart surgery as well because he had three holes in his heart. He would have had to have the surgery to fix the hole. I mean, the list goes on and on, right? And so once we found out that he would most likely not survive, there was actually quite a bit of peace that came. I think all along I subconsciously knew that he would die. And so you kind of go into fight or flight mode where we're like, okay, let's plan a funeral. And it feels really um, insensitive, but it, it became a moment of like, here's what we have to do next. And you're also, this is a, you have a, you're kind of a ticking time bomb almost, right? Where he's going to be born at some point. So we have to make these preparations. And honestly, it was a blessing to know going into it. We were able to make arrangements in a decently sound mind where mm-hmm. we could decide where we wanted him buried, that we wanted to have a photographer. Um, we were able to pick out um, what he would wear and get family prepared. Obviously we didn't know when he would be born, but that we were able to make some arrangements. So that was, um, all of 2015. And then um, he was born six weeks early and still weighed um, five pounds, four ounces. So he was still a good size baby because he also wasn't swallowing. So I, I didn't know this about babies that they, while they're in utero, that's the right term, they're swallowing the amniotic fluid and that helps to get everything working. Right. And so he wasn't, and um, which actually made my fluid three times the size it was supposed to be, but yet he was still a large baby. And so my water broke and we, um, and we had Easton and that's kind of a whole podcast on its own of the, the delivery was like the most beautiful, spiritual, angelic experience. And it was the most awful, most painful four days of my life. Um, just everything from an emergency C-section to not being able to intubate him, to have him, sort of breathing for me to meet him. Um, A lot of serendipitous moments, like my um, husband's grandfather passed away two days before. So all of that side Mm -hmm. of the family who lives outside of Utah were here. So they could be, my in-laws were here um, to see Easton. So there were so many beautiful things that all synced up correctly, but ultimately walking out of the hospital without a baby was, you know, gut-wrenching. So that that's Easton's story basically. And there was a lot of growth that came through Easton and we, and we go through the motions, we get back to normal life. Um, I remember driving home from the hospital and saying like, I will never yell at my children because it could be their last day here. And like, I never want them to think that I'm mad at them. But, but then eventually like I yell at my children, right. And <laughs> yeah. the humanness comes back and um, it was definitely a really hard recovery. And we had a beautiful grade size, grave side service. And um, I think, we were definitely held up by our, our family and our friends and um, the spirit just to like hold us over. Um, so that was in October of 2015. 
And then, and this is when my kids were, both of the big kids were now in kindergarten, half day kindergarten. And so I was experiencing like them being on half day and also being at a house that there was supposed to be a crib and there was supposed mm-hmm. to be a baby and a, a, a corner of toys. And there wasn't anymore. And I remember feeling, I knew I was grieving and I know that that's allowed, but there was also this like depression that was setting in that I'm just sitting at home all day. I know I wasn't just sitting at home all day, but looking back, it kind of felt that way. And I had a a friend at the time who was working for Betty's, which is a a company here that does zipper bedding. And so it's all your bedding in one and you just zip to make it. Most of you guys have, have heard about it, but she was there and this was probably their first year or maybe they were entering their second year of business. So just, they were just brand new. And, um, my friend was doing a little bit of everything that she could. And she was helping with photo shoots and, uh, pinners, like all the trade shows. And so she asked if I would come and help work a pinners expo, uh, just a shift, like a couple of hours. And I remember being so excited so excited to have something new, something different to do. I bought a whole new outfit, like a blouse and slacks, I swear. And this was, um, (laughs) coming to find out it was a hunting expo and I do not hunt. I don't know anything about that world, but anyone who attends a hunting expo is not wearing a blouse and slacks. Um, but I was, and I wanted to dress the part. I researched the whole website and I was just eating up and breathing all things buddies. And I loved working in that trade show. And it was the first time that I felt like some happiness again and some purpose and some drive. And it started healing that part of my life. Um, and then, um, then she would ask if I would help with a photo shoot and come and steam the bedding. And, um, I know this much, a tiny, tiny bit about photography. And so there were some times that I took the photos and again, like, all of us who own businesses know that the very first few years you get scrappy, right? And so I was helping Betty's be as scrappy as they could. And it was all hands on deck and eventually helping them a little bit on the side here and there turned into like, we want to hire you. Can you work part-time? And I was like, well, yeah, that would be great. So I shuffled the kids around and um, would go work while they're in school. And then they started, um, then they entered first grade. So they were in school all day. So I would work a couple of days a week. I would drop them off, go into the office And, um, and I loved that. And I started thinking like, oh, I'm like a working mom, like, which I now kind of love to to hate that term, right? Because we're just moms who have a job and, and or own companies. But at the time I was like, I'm a working mom. This is like my calling. This is the next step. This is so fun. It was so fulfilling. I quickly turned into their like marketing manager, um, the Betsy, the owner, well, Betsy and Andrea, the owners and Betsy heads up all the marketing side. And so she'd have these grand ideas and I would say, I know how to do all that, or let me do that for you or teach me how, and I'll do it for you. And so I quickly became her kind of right hand woman. And, and there was just rapid, rapid growth there. Mm -hmm. And I learned so much and all the while I knew that it was healing my heart that I was felt like I had lost purpose because excuse me, up until then I was mom. And, and for the most part, just mom, not just mom, but fully mom. Right. And then my baby died. And while I know I had two kids that I was mom to still, there's a, I think there's a small part of me that was like, but I failed as a mom. Right. I think you, you take some ownership of like, what did I do to make this happen? Which I know that it wasn't my fault, but I think I needed a purpose outside of motherhood that helped me feel like a human that could heal and be whole again. And Betty's did that for me. And 
that's why they will always be a part of my story. And that's why they meant more to me than any old job. Um, I always felt like I was an owner with no equity, no stake in it and didn't donate a dollar to it. (laughs) I just wanted to give my whole heart because they, it had my whole heart. Um, So yeah, so my experience there was about four years. And like I said, I quickly became kind of the marketing manager. And then I um, helped with all things social media. Um, I helped with their email marketing efforts, some of their uh, Facebook ads or meta ads, which wasn't meta at the time, but now known as meta. Um, all the photo shoots and our processes and just kind of building a business and helping as much as they could with my limited background and experience. But I knew enough to like, I want to get in and get my hands dirty and help where I could. Um, and then I got pregnant and I was like, wait a second. I was good with this. I was okay with having big kids in school and me being a working mom and I'm going to have a career. Like this is so life-giving. And then I got pregnant and I was like, what does this mean? And I remember when we found out we were pregnant, I bawled and said, I'm not quitting my job. I'm not quitting my job. And my husband's like, no one told you you had to. <laughs> and I was like, okay, I'm not quitting. And um, we made it work. So we had our little guy now, his name is Gray. And that was equally terrifying and healing to have an experience of having a baby after loss. And um, and I was able to work around working with Betty's. They worked around me having a baby. And as that as Betty's was growing again at a rapid, rapid pace, they needed my position to be full time. And it, we came to a, a place where my baby was now almost one. Yeah, like te- uh, nine, eight, nine months. And it, it, it had been working fine, but they wanted me to be full time. And I just thought, I, with my baby so young, I don't, as much as I love this, I don't want to give up motherhood from nine to five for this job. And so not that they were asking me to do that by any means, but it's kind of what it felt like. And I knew that we were being led to, to close that chapter and to stay home. And so we, I ended up deciding to leave and to stay home with gray, obviously I'm my big kids, but he was home now, little guy. And I tell people that I held still for about five minutes. And the fast forward part here is that we then I had friends and family ask me all the marketing questions. And I thought, I've been doing this for Betty's for the last four years. Let me help you. And I have some answers. And then we accidentally kind of fell into starting eStudios. And when it came time to name our company, I thought, well, really the whole reason why I'm, I am in marketing or this entrepreneurial world is because after Easton, I needed to, to grieve and heal and I found Betty's and that's how it all started. And Easton is such a big part of the next phase of my life that it has to be named after Easton. And so the E in E-Studios is for Easton, but I had found that it's it has a lot of meetings that resonate with my clients and the work that we do here. I mean, email marketing is a huge part of what we do, so we can tie the E in there too. But um, yeah, that's kind of, that's kind of the whole story story well the whole story is ongoing right but Eason was awful and terrible but beautiful and angelic and guided and then it led us to be here that's incredible I thank you for sharing your heart with us and what a what a roller coaster that must have been for you to know that you're anticipating this loss and this grief and then but also feeling so much love and hope and I think that that is 
very relatable that there are, are times in each of our lives where something so devastating can be that rich soil that something beautiful can grow from. So I want, I'm curious with building your marketing business, what was it that allowed you to, you're in a physical space now and tell, Mm -hmm. tell everyone like how many people on your team, like, what is it that Mm -hmm. exactly that you're doing just so that people who don't know you as well as I do, like paint a picture, like you're sitting in your office right now. This is your work office. Tell Mm -hmm. us kind of the story of what, what you've built. Okay. Yeah. So currently we have a team of eight. Um, a, a good majority are here in the office with me. And then we have a couple of remote uh, hybrid, all the different situations because they fill a, a really great role. So all in all, our team is eight, um, Ben plus me. And we um, are a marketing management firm. So we take small business owners, mostly female, but we have some male clients, Um, and we help be their chief marketing officer and their marketing team. So they don't have to hire in house. You don't have to worry about, you know, uh, employment taxes, all of that. Um, you get to hire us and then we are your team and I have the team for you. Right. And so we come and we help create marketing strategy and game plans. We create marketing calendars. Um, we try and provide you as much brain space as you can possibly free up uh, under the marketing umbrella, obviously I'm not going to worry about fulfillment or, I mean, I'll worry about it with you, but I'm not going, I don't know how to fulfill. I don't know any of that side of it or product creation, but the marketing umbrella we help. So we do everything from email marketing is one of our main specialties. Um, and then we do social media management and we do SMS texting. We do mainly Shopify website. We build from the ground up and we manage them day to day. Um, and then overall, marketing calendars and strategy, like I said. So, um, so yeah, we're in, we're in an office space now and we have a few offices and we call it the bullpen out front with all the girls sitting out there together. And we have a, uh, we have about 20, 22 clients right now. And it kind of ebbs and flows. Our clients do a six month agreement and some wrap up at that time. We've trained them as much as we can and then they run it on their own. And then some stay on and have been here for years. Um, but it all started out of my house and the very typical on the couch in bed, brought my computer to cheer competitions and was working out in the hall at all hours and all scenarios. Um, and we just kind of kept growing clients through referrals, networking, word of mouth, friends of friends of friends, and helping to answer and fulfill a need that they had. Um, and then we, then COVID hit. So this was eight, sorry, this was how did November you, of, how did you get ahead. your team members in? Like we, when you first decided like, okay, I'm doing this and I'm helping friends. Like, how did you first find team members and how did you like figure out HR and like doing, yeah. you know, all the benefits yeah. and time off and like ha- walk us through that a little bit. Like, what did that look like? Yeah. It's kind of, I'm still trying to figure it out. Okay. <laughs> I feel like if there is a manual somewhere, I will spend lots of money to buy it. But like, we just um, got a notice from the Utah Labor Commission. It feels like a very scary notice. I have it here on my desk. That's like, you don't have workers comp and you're supposed to have workers mm. compensation insurance. And I'm like, nobody told me actually. <laughs> Whose job was this to tell me? Because I don't know about this. And so I think it's still, we're still figuring it out. But back to the very beginning um, and your your 
initial question of how did I find all my team members? I'll tell you that every single one of them has a really unique special story. Mm. It's not traditional. Like I posted on indeed. And then I interviewed yeah. 12 and I picked one. Like it's, and that's the, one of the funnest parts of the team is that they've all been kind of led to us. So that's a very, like, that's, that's a short answer is they've been led to us and they have found it. But I started in November of 2019, June of 2020, um, I was like, I can't grow anymore and I don't want to say no to anyone. So I'm going to hire help and they'll just be behind the scenes. Nobody will know that I have a team and it will still be me, but they'll be here to like execute. And so I was in a little um, mastermind group that I found, I think from a Facebook group that I was in and we were on some weekly calls and I was talking about how I needed help. And they were like, well, if you like write up a job description, we'll post for you. And so they posted for me and a neighbor of one of the girls in the mastermind had a sister who was looking for a, an internship and she reached out to me and that was my first hire. And this was a very, um, I'll tell you that my business wasn't even incorporated yet. We were still like sending Venmos and paying. We didn't have QuickBooks. Like clients were paying under the table basically. And we were thought we probably should pay taxes on this. I just don't know how. And we'll figure it out in a minute. <laughs> yeah. And we're just going to like keep growing to make money. Um, and so we hired our first employee where I'm saying like 15 bucks an hour. Is that a good deal? You need an internship anyway. And it's like 10 hours a week. And I remember thinking that's so much money, but 10 hours, I think I can give her 10 hours. Um, she came like twice a week in between her work schedule and we just spend mode paid her, figure that out. And then it was the next April. So about seven, eight months later, I, we were growing again and I needed to hire again. And so Actually, one of my clients, and I don't have to go through every single story, but one of my clients got an email from somebody that said, hey, I'm in the marketing department at UVU or a program, and I am I would love to help you with your social media. You're an account I love following. So this client emailed it to me. She's like, hey, are you looking to hire? Which was such a blessing because then this new this person came on and she was a perfect fit. So every one of my team members have come in random places. I spoke last year at UVU and their um, marketing content marketing class. I was asked to speak from a, a networking connection I had. I was asked to speak and a girl in that class met me and we hit it off and chatted after. And I DM'd her and I said, name your price. What do you want? I will hire you. And she wasn't even looking for a job. And I was like, no, I, I actually have to hire you. I'd like you're supposed to be here. And so it's just the most random connections, but I had to get to a place that I knew that um, I couldn't, I had to understand my goals first, right? And I didn't want to just have three clients and do it on the side. I want, I want to play big. And this is like, I had, and I, and I changed my goals along the way, but overall, this is, this e-studios is going to be big. I want it to be large. I don't want it to be ginormous. I don't want more than 40 employees at most, um, at least right now. But I knew that I wanted to scale and in a service-based industry, I only have so much time. Mm -hmm. And in order to be a CEO and the accounting department and the HR and actually do the stuff that I like doing, like consulting and marketing and all of that, um, I have to have team members to do the things that either I'm not good at or I don't have time for. Um, and so knowing where my where I was headed helped me understand when it was time to pull off the side of the road and hire somebody, right? And have a pit stop. And it's let us scale. Now, a lot of my first few employees aren't here anymore and they have moved on to other opportunities. And it's all happened when my business is re ready to level up 
those that are not wanting to join that or want a different opportunity or something different in their life drop off. And then somebody new, not better, but more suited to the current level comes in. Mm-hmm. And so we've had this same team for about a year, maybe a little over a year. And it's been fabulous for sure, but we're getting ready to hire again next year. And it needs to be a strategic hire and thinking through, you know, all the things of what we want, where we're going, who's going to be on that, that bus with us. That is so fascinating. I love hearing the, that grassroots, like we didn't know what we needed till it was coming along. And I feel like the, that's the bumpy road of building a business that a lot of people don't always hear. And I think that what would be really interesting for our audience to hear is how you're able to manage people because it, yeah. you're in a new place now where it's not so much, I mean, yes, you're still doing the consulting and marketing and the strategy. Of course you're doing those things, but now your team is big enough that you are managing people. What kind of skill sets have you had to develop and how have you kept communication and like team camaraderie going well, you know, in an office full of women, like tell, tell me how you've done that. Okay. So I remember somebody a a little while ago, maybe even a year or two ago from, from where I am now, they said, I realized that, um, I hate managing people. I like, that's really, really hard. I don't want to have to micromanage or tell people what to do. And at the time I was like, that's not that hard. Like it's fun to be with your people. And then I started moving away from the day-to-day stuff that we do to actually fulfill on our clients and wait, the business needed me to move into full CEO role. Mm -hmm. And then I understood what they were saying. It really is hard to manage people because everyone has humanness, obviously everyone has their own individual life, but this business is my life. It is so much of my life. My husband is involved in a little bit. My kids, my kids come here and clean the office. They want the business to grow. There's opportunities here. Like we are all in it. It's all consuming. And so it's really weird to check myself and say, these are employees. They don't have the same, like draw connection to the mm-hmm. business that I do. That being said, I want team members who love it here and want to feel like they're a part of it. And I love that. I had the opportunity with Betty's that I felt like, yeah, I'm an owner, except that I'm not an owner at <laughs> all. Right. Like I want them to have that same, um, commitment and desire. And I wanted to come from them. I don't want it to come from like, you have to be uber committed and this, you know, crack the whip, so to speak. Um, and so there's been a few things that I've learned. I've, um, I've learned that I want to create an environment that I like showing up to and that I will attract people to work with me that want that same environment. It's kind of like we talk about with our business that you have to understand your ideal customer, create that ideal customer, and then you will attract them because they want the same things you do. Mm-hmm. It's true. I think in the office setting as well. Um, so like, for example, we, we try and we, so I buy them lunch every Monday. And I know as a 22 year old kid, having somebody buy your lunch is kind of a big deal. And it's not that big of a deal for me. We financially can afford it. And it's a small thing that I can say, Hey, it's part of our culture that I don't have to, you don't have to worry about providing yourself food on Mondays. And so after our staff meeting, we, we all order lunch. Um, I also have a little, one of the offices in here is kind of our break room. So we have something that may feel really standard, but we have drinks and we have snacks like cheese and um, apples and um, 
beef jerky and then we have crackers and candy and all the things, right. That I thought I want to be able to have a snack here if I want it. So I'm sure my team does as well. Um, so making sure that that's, that's staying full and also having my team members do the ordering. So I used to do it all. And then I would pick things that I like and they were like, we never eat that. And so <laughs> letting them be in charge of like, no, we actually want these yogurts instead of that. It's little, little things like that. Mm-hmm. Um, I, a lot of the things I do, I learned a little bit at Betty's. They did a really great job. They're creating an awesome culture. And it was such a small group at the beginning that we were able to create that together. And I don't know what they do now, but I loved what they did there. So um, we try and we have a big Christmas party coming up and every year I try and keep it a secret. And so the suspense is kind of like raising and rising and that's always fun. And so I, I want it to be a fun environment that they say I get to go to work instead I have to go to work. Mm-hmm. But also knowing that sometimes you have to go to work. Sometimes you just have to get the job done and you're employed to do that. And so we have days like that. I also think the more I think is very parallel to being a mother where the more that I can work on myself and understanding my big feelings and my emotions and my trauma and my experiences, the more that I can help my kids understand. I do the same thing with my employees. The more that I can understand how I ebb and flow and my tired days and when I need a mental health day and just stay home or sleep in or come late or leave early, the more that I can understand why and how I need that, the more that I can provide provide that to my team. Um, so I, and the other element too, is we've gotten to a point just this September. So it's been two months where I knew I needed what I thought was I needed, needed a me for me, right? I do this for my clients all the time where I come in, provide strategy to tell them what they want, what they need. Um, but I have a hard time getting out of the weeds to see what I need. Mm-hmm. Excuse me. And so I had worked with somebody on a project last year and we've remained friends and she reached back out and was like, I am still drawn to e-studios and I think I need to be involved in some way, but I don't know how. And I was like, yeah, and your skill set doesn't necessarily fill a need right now, but I feel like we're supposed to work together. And so we went to dinners and lunches and kept the conversations going for a little while. And just in September, I brought her on as what we're calling like our ops operations director. And what I thought I needed was people to just do all the things I didn't have time for. But what I actually realized is that she's really, well, back up. What I realized was I am a really emotional person and that is my superpower. And it's also my kryptonite. Mm -hmm. So sometimes when it comes to my people, I'm so emotional about it that I either respond in a different way or I don't give them critiques and feedback because I'm afraid to hurt their feelings or I don't want them to be sad or I'm so frustrated at something and then it comes out wrong and I I need to take a minute to calm down. So I want to use um, my superpower side of being emotional and be their like rah-rah cheerleaders. And I want to support them and see them, their work-life balance. And I want to do that part, but I also need someone to be like, why haven't you hit this deliverable? Where are you at mm-hmm. with this? Here's your deadline. And to do that in a tactical way, that's not emotional. Mm-hmm. And so my operations director came in to fulfill a big part of operations that we need but she's also checking in with our team every week. So I can keep doing networking and sales and CEO stuff, but that the team is being managed on a more tactical level that I a don't have time for and B have too much emotion to do it well. So -hmm. that's been a really, really strategic. Well, not even so much strategic. It's been a really um, big move for us, but it's been uber, uber helpful with our team and me. 
That's amazing. I love that you speak to that of recognizing your strength and your weakness. And I think that that is pretty common that our strength can go hand in hand with our weakness and that you were able to recognize that and think, okay, I need to bring someone in that's a yin to my yang or, you know, the opposite that can help. Because really, if you look at any successful business, that is an element that is there is that 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 visionary or that CEO has a support system that allows them to continue to do the things that they're good at. And so yeah, congratulations. That's really exciting. If you were just wrapping up this first section of Mm -hmm. this part, if you were to look back and tell yourself something that you learned along the way, that was a, a big lesson for you, what, what is that advice that you would give to someone just starting or to yourself four years ago when you were first starting out? Oh, good question. Something that I would tell myself four years ago. Um, I, th- I think maybe my surface answer is that like, is, is very much what people say, like it will all get figured out and there will be highs and lows and it will all get figured out. Just keep pushing forward. And in fact, I'll, I'll say what my husband actually taught me four years ago from the very beginning. I thought that we had to have a legit website and a service menu and the pricing and what that all means and what's included. And I need to have that first before I went and sold someone. And he said, just go try and make money. Just go see if this is going to work. And I was like, no, this is not right. And he's like, no, just go grind. And I have used that over and over and over. And I'm telling myself that again, right now during Q4, busiest time of Mm. year, Black Friday, all that madness, like just grind because there's a ton that you learn in the grind. And so while I did tell myself that four years ago, and I keep telling myself, I would tell anyone else that like, just put one foot in front of the other. You'll learn so much more than sitting and waiting. Yes. Oh my gosh. I love that advice so much. I think that there is so much beauty in, in forward action and that it doesn't have to be perfect to be productive and to find that progress. So, so awesome. Abby, you are incredible. Thank you for sharing your heart and also those very personal details about your business and how you've been able to have so much success. Please everyone who's listening right now, we're going to wrap up this part one and don't forget to come into episode two or part two of this, but Abby, please tell us and our audience where we can find you and get resources from you. Yes. So please visit me on Instagram and I love chatting in my DMs. So ask me all the questions. Anytime that we need to like build you anything specific, I'll charge you. But other than that, I will answer any and all questions. So on Instagram, I am at E underscore studios marketing. And then my website is the E Perfect. Awesome. Thank you so much. Thank you so much for listening to this episode. If you are not subscribed, please do so. Any subscription, share, or review of this podcast helps us immensely. And if you would like to subscribe, that would help me out as well to share stories of amazing mothers and women building businesses. Now, there are some specials that are available through Abby Combs that she was so graciously offering to our audience. If you use the code Call Me CEO, you can get 50% off a power hour with her for her to look at your email marketing and what is working well and things you might want to tweak and change, which is super helpful. She also has packages for managing email and strategy for your marketing so that you can hit the ground running in 2024. Thank you so much for tuning into this episode. 
And remember, if you are a busy CEO looking for help with strategy, hiring a virtual assistant, or learning how you can create systems in your business to have more time and more life back, please reach out to me at callmeceopodcast at gmail.com, or you can reach me on Instagram at camillewalker.co. Thanks for tuning in. Hey, CEOs, thank you so much for spending your time with me. If you found this episode inspiring or helpful, please let me know in a comment and a five-star review. You could have the chance of being a featured review on an upcoming episode. Continue the conversation on Instagram at Call Me CEO Podcast. And remember, you are the boss.